So here we are, episode two. Yes. I'm changing this whole setup, by the way. This is all getting ripped down and changed. I hate all of it. What's wrong with it? Uh, I don't like this microphone. It's way too sensitive, and it just picks up a, 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 a spider could be outside three houses down, and I'm hearing it on the recording. It looks a little bit like if you took a microphone, turned it horizontal, and made it into like a you know, the Men in Black Deneuralizer, or Neuralizer, whatever it's called. It looks like some sort of weapon. It's pretty intense. Pretty much. It's it's like that, but instead it's for picking up all audio on the planet at once. Jason, I've invested far too much time over the last little while reading about microphones and all that kind of stuff. And yeah, and so you have a a condenser microphone, and what you really want is a dynamic microphone with a cardioid polar pattern yes and it's coming in the mail uh tomorrow oh is it yeah everything's coming the day after we're recording this week which is perfect so this this podcast is costing you a fortune pretty much yeah but it's worth it so you're going to tell us what you bought or is it a secret until next episode well let's let's get it all in and see if if any of it even was remotely worth it and and then maybe we'll go from there. I don't want to divulge too much too soon. Well, the question that I have, all these deliveries that you're having, they're driving through fires. Is that the case? Fires at the moment surrounding you? Uh, yeah, so a lot of fire. A lot, a lot. The West Coast is basically fire right now. Been really bad. It was really bad even when we left California months ago. And we came north and it was seemingly fine and then everything kind of caught up to us so like last week we had um just terrible terrible smoke and fire everywhere it seemed every county around where we're at um was being evacuated i know i saw a bunch of people even on micro.blog that are on that are uh, in the oregon area getting evacuated and just fire everywhere um we did, didn't have to fortunately um, but the smoke and the air quality here, uh, every, I, I th- I'm guessing AQI is a worldwide thing, or uh, maybe it's not. I, I don't know. Um, but normally our levels here are like in the 20s. And during all the fires, everything, I think our high, at, at my house anyway, was like 560, I think. So really awful, like where the scale just stops but the number keeps going. (laughs) So not not ideal for breathing or uh, living in general, but it's been better now. So there's no imminent danger or, you know, threat, threat to your lives, your family lives, anything like that. Do you never say never, I guess, but as, as of right now, I mean, we keep watching all the, the various sources of information, which honestly aren't that great. It's making me kind of, come to realize that our our systems of 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 the internet you know giving information and 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 disseminating stuff to everyone is really not that great and kind of horrible actually considering all the technology we have but so far everything says nope you're you're good no need to evacuate nothing like that so just gotta keep keep an eye on it we had the same sort of horrible fire situation at the beginning of this year and end of last year in Australia, at least on the East Coast, you could jump in, Andrew, and say what it was like on your side. But in Australia, I know that we've always relied on 
the ABC, that's the Australian Broadcasting Corporation Radio, for really timely updates. So I'm not actually sure how many people would rely on the internet here in Australia with the intense bushfires that we have. We've always just relied on the radio. Do you do the same, Andrew, on the West Coast? Yeah, the radio is generally considered to be the peak or the primary source of information. Um, And they will, because it's a government-funded organisation, their mandate is to inform the public in situations like that. And so they have a whole range of different warnings that they will push out on a regular basis, depending on how catastrophic things are getting. Um, Yeah, and people rely on that. And I think because so much of Australia, the fire-prone areas don't have the greatest internet anyway, um, and radio waves will get through when telephone poles and stuff have been burnt down. Yeah, I remember the bushfires. That was crazy. Uh, And I even remember when it was happening, it felt very much like you you fall into that scenario where you're like, well, that's a crazy thing that could never happen here. And, well, here we are. Yes, unfortunately, um, climate change, global warming, uh, is a international problem, and we're all suffering. Yeah, I mean, it's like I, with this kind of stuff happening, I'm not going to get into that thing right now. But wow, it's just it seems pretty obvious. But I guess you know, obvious things are hard to see sometimes for certain people. Yeah, it's just that extreme. Uh variation and uh, and how far the weather can go because where i live we've always lived on a narrow coastal strip right next to the sea uh sort of with a border of mountains that holds all the wet weather in and all the dry stuff is generally over those hills over those mountains and now to see orange skies smog horrible stuff from bushfires in summer which we never really had in our area before you think yeah there's definitely a bit of a global shift happening now you guys are on opposite ends of the country. Is was it pretty equal on both sides, or was it more prevalent east, west, in the middle? Or it was much worse on the east coast of Australia. We had a, a few spot fires and outbreaks, but certainly nothing too far out of the ordinary. We kind of expect something every summer. So for us, it wasn't catastrophic, but for the east coast, um, more in Martin's region of the world. It was disastrous. Yeah, and to be fair, Andrew, with the way that Australian news bias goes, it could have been five times worse on your side and they still would have focused on Sydney. <laughs> and so it goes. <laughs> yeah. But well I'm glad that you're I'm glad that you're relatively well. That you're you're breathing uh smoky but you know air that is able to keep you alive and that you're not in any immediate danger. That's that's good news. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Like I said, when we left California, we were we were worried about everyone there uh, with the fires when we were heading out, and then it kind of quickly reversed to everybody saying, you know, wow, you just moved in, and now you're on fire. It was like, yeah, well, you know, <laughs> that's how things go sometimes. So I reckon we... Uh get stuck into the news at this point how were the coffees that i sent you this afternoon and i'll take that silence as you didn't have a coffee because i wasn't able to send you (laughs) one because apparently little known to me apple pay cash not worldwide as i thought it was (laughs) yeah i think we were bragging last episode how great apple pay 
is and how you know we're we're so far ahead of the curve in Australia with our Apple Pay adoption, but they haven't graced us with Apple Pay Cash um, in terms of being able to send and receive money between individuals. We just don't have that facility. It was the first time I've ever seen it sort of come up in my my um my messages. Somebody trying to give me money. I was like, wow, this is exciting. <laughs> Get the little black logo, the Apple logo. It looked very fancy. It was cool. And I clicked it and just nothing happened. You were lucky to receive it. Yeah, I, I sent it to both of you. And Martin's just, it just said he, he won't accept this. And I was like, oh, okay, that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> and then Andrew's went through and it just perpetually says pending now, which I'm wondering what that's going to do on my side because now oh, no. it just has this, this constant flashing thing that says pending, but no way to do anything with it. So I'm assuming at some point it'll just give up. I don't know. I guess we'll find out. Or when you guys finally get Apple Pay Cash, you will have money on day one. That pending just represents some poor soul in Cupertino calculating the exchange rate. Exactly. Yes. Yeah, there's probably some horrible bug now in the system where they're like, this one transaction is just never going to die. Yeah, one day our continent will be lucky enough to have real imaginary cash, whatever that is. (laughs) I hope so. I hope we do get it one day. I hope we do. Because it it's it sure works well, better than anything else. Because I tried other stuff too, like so PayPal is, I mean it's awful overall, but I, just trying to do the actual transaction through PayPal, you know, you finally get through all the the menus and the the the, the grossness of the UI, and then I couldn't believe the number of fees that they tried to put. Like, let's say I was going to send five dollars. There was like a dollar twenty for this, two sixty for that, and then the exchange and all that. And by the time I was trying to send five dollars, it was like fifteen dollars. Like what? No, I just wanted to give someone five dollars. Like it's crazy. And then on the on the iMessage side, I just typed five send, and it was done. <laughs> like it was so easy. You know the worst thing about it too is I really could have done with a coffee today. It was super generous of you because um I needed one. Yes, and much appreciated, Jason, even though I made one myself this afternoon. Uh, I mean, look, the morning I had my coffee down the road at a cafe called The White Rabbit, where the purveyor is also called Martin. Um, You can imagine what that's like when the universe sort of folds on itself, worlds collide. So maybe one day I can go there and buy my coffee off the other Martin with your money. (laughs) And I'll tell him where it came from and he'll be amazed. So clearly in the last Apple event, uh, they didn't announce Apple Pay Cash for Australia. So we know that now. But they did announce other stuff. And I'm wanting to know, did either of you buy anything or everything? And why or why not? Uh, I spent money. I bought two things. Um, I bought one of them new. One of them was... One of them were newly announced, so I bought a um, new Apple Watch. I bought the Series 6 aluminium, not aluminium, mm. but aluminium. I thought we might get to that. <laughs> <laughs> I bought that in the blue, um, 44 uh, millimeter. 
Has it been measured? That's how they measure it, isn't yeah. it? 44 millimeters. The big one. Thing. Yeah. The big one. Yeah, it's like, um, it's like the one area where we actually use the same measurements and, and it makes sense. Yeah, that's what just threw me there for a moment. It's like, how many is that? How many inches is that? Um, 55 inch TVs and 44 millimeter watches. Makes sense. Yep, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, I bought that and I got it with the, um, the standard sport band, um, which is a new style sport band to me because. This is going to be replacing my Series 1 Apple Watch. Wow. So I'm pretty excited because I think it'll be a massive upgrade. That's going to be huge. Everything's different. Screen is different. Always on. Yep. Much bigger. If I fall over, somebody will know about it. Potentially, uh, yes. I can I can swim with it now. Um, it's actually going to be a massive, massive upgrade for me. So I'm pretty excited about it. Haptic crown. That's a big one for me. I love the haptic crown. Old ones feel broken. Oh, I hadn't even thought about that. See, look at this. This is this is going to be amazing for me. It's like a whole new product for you. It's like not even really an Apple Watch. It's like an Apple Watch Gen 2. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm really excited because most people tend to upgrade. You know, and I, I consider myself an Apple fanboy, but I'm, I'm also a cautious spending Apple fanboy, and I like to fully depreciate my assets. Um so I feel like rather than being a person who upgrades every year, I'm sort of, I try and spread it out a little bit more. And I really wanted to upgrade last year. Um, and I thought, no, nah, I could just get an, I reckon I can just get one more year out of this thing. How was the Series 1 holding up? Was it still working pretty well or were you kind of already up against the wall with it? I have to say, apart from a few random days where the battery would die at 11 a.m., most days it still does really well. I I will still get to the end of a day and have a quarter of a battery left. Um, it's super slow though. Um, I never use the only sort of features I can use on the old one are workouts when I do a bit of gym work. Not enough gym work, but a bit. Um, and like play controls for podcasting. You know, just and it literally just play pause. I will sometimes use Siri to set a. Oh, sorry, I shouldn't have said that. To set a um, timer or something like that, but essentially that's it. Um, and notifications. That's still pretty good though for a Series One. I mean, that's that's a pre- in, at least in technology age, it's pretty old. Yeah, yeah. So it's. I think it's done well. I'm really. It's been a good product for me, um, but I'm really looking forward to getting a new one and. Just being able to um, see what all this, what all the new stuff that's not that new is like. Is there a particular feature that was mentioned, or something about the look or the design of the product that convinced you in the end? Okay, yes, this is the one that I want. Now I'm going to buy it. I was pretty ready going in, to be honest. I think whatever they had released, I would have bought. Um, I, I don't like the um, the oxygen blood oxygen reading thing. Doesn't really. Didn't move the needle for me. Um, don't see that. I don't really think I need that. Um, I'm more interested in the things that they that came out in the series five, which will be the the always on display and that um, and the yeah the the extra the altimeter is nice, but we live in a flat, low lying area, so I'm probably never going to use that. Um, no, it's really just just the time, just the combination of things. And I'm really looking forward to the, the the waterproofing, which has been around forever, except for me. Um, being able to swim in a thing will be 
really good, especially as I've last year I started taking up sort of a bit of lap swimming. So it would be nice to be able to track myself doing a bit of that. Well, I don't know if you're going to be the sort of person who wears their watch in the shower because I wear my watch into the shower every single time. And there's always that fun moment at the end when you turn off the water lock and you hear that buzzing as the speaker injects the water. Have you two seen slow-mo videos of that happening and what's going on? It's awesome. Yes. I love it. Yeah, it's crazy. Yes. So you're going to have to have a go. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking for... I'm looking forward to all those little features. I've got to make sure. Do you have to turn? You have to turn that thing on, don't you? You have to tell it you're getting in the water, right? Yeah, but that's only like if you're swimming, for example, or you're in the shower and you don't want random input on the screen because the water would sort of do a chaotic simulation of your finger just stabbing at the screen. And one time, I remember when I got the Series Three. Um, that's because I went from. I think zero to three to four, so I'm on four now. But when I had the three and I had the cellular and, and the waterproof capability, I was in the shower and I accidentally called Natasha and she was on the phone and she said, what are you doing? And I'm like, oh, I had no idea, no idea that I called you. So you can have a random phone call or send messages from the shower if you're not careful. So it's just about stopping that stabbing of the screen. I have to admit, I do live, I do live dangerously with the Series 1 sometimes. Like tonight, actually, I took it in the shower with me. Um, yeah, you're fine. You're honestly fine. I had the Series Zero, and I took that thing in the ocean, and it was fine. Like, I, I don't think you can go down very far, but uh, it's fine. Especially and now with the five and the six, you could do anything with these. Yeah. So that was my main purchase, and then I also thought, well, I'm in for, in for a penny, in for a pound. So you got a new iPad Air. <laughs> no, no, that's that's an area of conflict for me. That's a whole another discussion. <laughs> um, but no, I bought a new set of AirPods Pro to replace replacing my first generation AirPods that only last for about half an hour. Another big upgrade. You're gonna love that. Yeah, so really looking forward to and looking looking forward to that surround sound capability that they've integrated. Have you tried it, Martin? I look, I mean, I could be completely crazy, but I tried it on a couple of movies that I had purchased through the TV app, you know, iTunes or Apple TV or whatever we're supposed to call it now. And from what I could tell, it simulated that idea that the audio was coming from the phone. It sounded boosted and a little bit bizarre, but it did make it seem much richer. Have, you haven't tried it yourself? I have not. No, I, I, I don't know if I have anything that it will, because it's only really with like content that you get from iTunes or does it simulate with everything? I'm not really sure. I haven't looked into it extensively, but it seems pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I was impressed. I, I stuck a, uh, stuck on a couple of sci-fi things, you know, things with soundtracks or effects that would have a whooshing past you or something. So it's not exactly like being in a cinema or a home theater setup, but it does, I can only explain it as a kind of TV or movie-oriented semi-surround sound take on what someone like Marco Arment would do with Voice Boost for podcasting. It just gives it a lift and makes it seem like it's coming from a certain direction. That's super cool. I like that. Yeah, I, I, I don't want to oversell it, but give it a go. I have tried the auto-switching, and that actually works amazingly well now. The thing that we've kind of always thought that they were supposed to do, it's actually working now where you have your, you know, if you have your phone and your iPad sitting there and you're listening to something on your phone and then you go over to your iPad, it, instead of having to pull down the control center and then switch manually, it seems to just wherever I want to be listening, it, it's almost like it knows it and just is there. I couldn't explain how it works, but it sure seems to be working really well. 
I haven't tried it with the computer yet, so I'm a little weary of that because that's always hit or miss, it seems like. But in terms of just iOS devices being connected, like if I'm listening to a podcast on my iPhone and I look at the iPad, it still has the little microphone icon up in the corner, but it's not actively sending me anything from there. So I, I don't know. And I'm sure this is going to be one of those things where it works great for me and works for no one else. But currently it's been awesome. It's funny how that was an assumed feature. It was kind of like iMessages in sync or through the cloud. And then they said, yeah, we're bringing this. And everyone went, oh, I, I thought that was the idea using the internet. So yeah, we'll have to see how it goes for others. Yeah, I thought the audio thing, I, I kind of just thought we already had it and this was just as good as it was going to be. Because it, you know, it works pretty good when you try to switch back and forth. Sometimes it's really fast when you say, you know, switch to my phone or switch to my iPad. And sometimes it's like just takes forever. So I thought we already had it, but it was just not that great. Turns out we didn't, and now it actually works really awesome. I'm looking forward to that feature. That'll be cool. And to answer your question, Jason, uh, I did not buy anything from this, and I went in 100% expecting to do so. Uh, I have a Series 4 watch, and I was thinking, yeah, I could do with another Apple Watch. But I was, as I was watching it, I thought, this looks really cool. I love the red. I love the blue, the finishes, the bands, the, the blood oxygen thing. Yeah, it's not 100% what I would think to use, but it's a nice feature. But I thought, you know what? Let's be sensible. Someone like Andrew has made a Series 1 last all this time and got great value out of it. I should be a little bit more responsible and step back. And I think in our Discord chat, I also mentioned the fact that I'm quite attached to the idea of a moving second hand. So the fact that the always-on display, I don't think, allows a moving second hand, even though it's brighter, that is 100% not really anything wrong with the product, but something in my head that I would feel weird not seeing instantly. Yeah, no, it still still does not do that. It's... And the always-on thing, uh, okay, so, and I, I know, Andrew, you just got to watch. I'm not trying to bum you out on this, but for me, <laughs> the only thing that I don't like about it is the weird animation that it does. And now that I'm saying this, I hope I don't ruin it for you, but it does this, like, little, when it's in always-on mode, it's almost like it shrinks the UI or something, and then when you wake it, or when it goes back to, like, active, it kind of grows a little i don't know it's got an animation thing and i don't really fully understand why but i kind of wish it didn't do that and and i think the new one because the new one's brighter right so maybe it doesn't do that now because the current five that i have it actually does dim but it sounds like maybe it's not going to do that now so i I don't know about the six but in terms of the second hand thing it doesn't do that but i could see that being a really cool thing to be able to just see it constantly spinning around it would make it feel very much more, I guess, like organic, almost like a, like a mechanical watch or something. From what I could see in review videos, I think the animation you're talking about has been lessened because uh, there were some demonstrations that I saw where the watch was not in its active mode, it was dormant, and it looked really quite bright. So I reckon it's going to be a really cool experience for you, Andrew. I, this is how tempted I was. But um, it did sort of come to life a bit more. For me, I mean... I agree with you. The, the spinning second hand does lead it to feeling more organic, but really it's, I mean, I suppose it's not really that important. To my mind, for some reason, I do spend a lot of time waiting for a minute to tick over. <laughs> I don't know what's wrong with my life, but I'm like, wow. That, oh, and then, <laughs> you know, whether it's a meeting starting for work or, uh, you know, meeting up with a, a friend or a relative or something, I maybe it's just a bit of OCD, but it's like, ooh, on the, <laughs> I, I just like that. <laughs> not a problem with the product, just with me. Don't worry, it's not just you. I do the same thing. When you were a little kid, did you used to stay up till like 
too late at night to watch your alarm bedside alarm clock flick over to midnight you know watch it go from 11:59 to 12 the little red numbers changing yeah and trying to time it with my mind to see if i got it correct absolutely <laughs> Well, not so much clocks, but the big thing that my dad would always do in the car when we were driving for family trips was he would note where the odometer was and he would say, right, we've got this long till we get home, kids. Where do you think the odometer's going to be? Or where do you think the clock's going to be? And we'd have to guess the distance all the time. And it was like this family game. I suppose that was our weirdo take on I Spy, but looking at one point of the car. As a parent, I can appreciate that. Okay, so no, no iPads all around. I was kind of surprised. I I honestly thought one of you was going to pull the trigger on an iPad Air since it's basically an iPad Pro, but much cheaper. Yeah, I, ne- I need some counseling here on this one. I have a um an iPad Pro. Was it the? Is it the first? I lose track of this. There's so many these days. You have the 10.5, right? You guys both have the 10.5. It's the 10.5, the 2017 model. I think it was the first, the first of the 10.5s. The non-square edge one, right? Yes, that's right. Um, and it's still fine. It it does everything I need. I never feel like it's too slow or anything like that. The only thing that I'm noticing all of a sudden is drastically reduced battery life. Like, it just drains. It will sit there doing nothing, um, and battery just drains down. And I've tried all the voodoo. I've tried deleting apps that I thought maybe doing it i've looked at the battery management and trying to see what's sucking the juice it seems like it is just whatever's going on in the background services i can only presume is just causing the battery to drain really quickly and to the point where i'm thinking i need a new ipad just because i need a better battery but and the yeah you've got this ipad air now which looks amazing and better than my iPad Pro in all ways except probably one, which would be the ProMotion display. That's the one. So I've got the, I've got the, it's an old iPad Series 1 um, pencil, but does have the 120 hertz. And now I, I'm confused, is a Series 2 pencil at 60 hertz a better deal? Or do I just suck it up and wait and see what the iPad Pro A14 version will deliver? Because there's got to be one. There has to be, yeah. I think that it's really, I feel like it's mostly a price thing at this point. Because I think the ProMotion is great, but I have to imagine for the stuff, at least for me, you know, I'm not in Procreate for six hours a day drawing things or anything. I'm mostly kind of poking at the screen with the pencil and doing some handwriting. So I can't imagine, I, I don't know, I, I would actually like to try it for myself and see if I can even tell a difference. But if other than the ProMotion storage size, and I feel like there was one other thing, but it's so close that the next Pro just has to be, it, it's got to have something crazy. Because if it's just kind of the same as now, then I'm just confused as to like, is ProMotion really a quote Pro feature? I guess so there has to be like you say there has to be something amazingly new coming with the next one yeah something to justify that like because it's like four it's 5.99 and it jumps up to 7.99 or 8.99 or something it's several hundred dollars more which i think for most people you're not going to notice a difference you're just going to save 300 bucks and have a really sweet ipad that actually comes in a cool color instead of boring gray yeah 
So for each of you, what, what does, I mean, other than the fact that pro generally means nice, what, what is the iPad for each of you and what convinces you to get a new one? Mm. For me, the iPad is, is essentially now my laptop. I've con- I converted to an iMac just before COVID-19, which seems like a stroke of genius because I've been able to base myself at home and have a really comfortable computer to work at. I, I like working in this at-home environment, but if I was having to do it like with a laptop, oh, man, I'd be totally over it. So, yeah, having this iMac has been great, but my ancient MacBook Pro became a Roblox machine for my, my kid, and so I don't have a laptop at the moment. And I thought, well, do I need one? And, you know, I look at the Apple Silicon ones coming up and think, oh, I'd like one of those. But for the moment... The iPad has basically been my laptop, um, as well as my around-the-house, do-everything, read, consume kind of machine. Um, And it's done really well. I have the cellular um, iPad as well, so and I think that's almost a non-negotiable for me, um, is having that. Um, But yeah, it really is, it's probably my most used device for non-work activity. Yeah, it's the same for me. It's a, it's the it's my do everything device. Um, it's mostly I think screen size is what makes it kind of pro, I guess, in my mind, uh, because you can you know connect it to the keyboard folio thing, and then it's kind of more like a laptop, or just rip it off of that, and then it's actually a tablet. Uh, you know, I think a lot of stuff I'll sit down in my at a MacBook and do whatever, but i can't rip the screen off of a macbook and and just kind of you know turn it 90 degrees and then read a long article on it it's just it's it's to do it's the do everything device for me where if i had to just have one device it'd be really hard to give up a mac i I don't think i'll ever give up a mac fully I, i don't i don't really subscribe to the like you have to use ios you have to use mac os it's like just use whatever makes sense at the time um but if i had to just do one thing it would probably be the iPad Pro and just because I think it can do many of the same things plus a lot more. And I don't think adding like a touchscreen to a Mac is going to fix that either. I don't even think that's a good idea personally. But yeah, I think the, the Pro aspect of it for me is kind of taking it from that tablet experience kind of one step further where now I have USB-C and I could I can plug in a thing if I need to. Not everything really plugs into it at this point. Someday, maybe. But those are the kinds of things I think that make it pro uh, for me. And it, I know the whole pro moniker, I know it's never going to go away. It's been there forever. But it's just kind of a misnomer at this point where it's like, what does that even mean to anyone? No one cares about the word pro. It doesn't distinguish that, you know, you make movies, so you buy the pro, and I don't make movies, so I buy the regular. Pro does just mean more expensive, nicer, more features, more stuff attached to it. So I, I think that's just my my thing is that I go pro because it, it, it can do more generally. It is kind of nonsensical because professional, I mean, it's not really professional. Anyone can do it. And if it means prosumer, like prosumer, everyone is technically a prosumer these days. If you upload anything to the web or anything on a social network, whether it's a TikTok video or some sort of professional, in inverted commas, project that you've done on your ipad pro or your mac everyone's producing so i agree it's it's a bit of a nonsensical name it's kind of annoying too for for you know just because a lot of it is tied to price that you know if you got a an ipad air 
or an iPad Pro. It's, you know, if 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 an iPad Air is is your max budget and that's what you can get into, you can do everything that anyone else could do with a pro, but it's kind of like this like, well, you know, you do things but you're not like a pro at it. It's like what what does that even mean at this point? But I don't know. I I think it's annoying tying price to the status of the of your work. I guess is what it sounds like where you're saying, you know, you can only be a pro if you can spend $900, but you can't be a pro if you can only spend $700. I think if I'm being totally honest with myself, I am, it is an ego driven thing for me. I don't, I want to think of myself as needing the pro the best. If you actually looked at what I did with an iPad, I'm certain an iPad Air would be just fine. But there's something about it where this is my, this is my passion. This is my hobby. I kind of just want the best. <laughs> but I think if you benchmarked me using an Air versus a Pro, there'd be zero difference in reality. Oh, for sure. I think that'd be for most of us. That's the same across that's I feel like it's the same issue with why I have, you know, 6,000 apps on my phone. It's like it's a just in case kind of scenario. I feel like it's the same with things like the iPad Pro where it's like promotion. Well, what if I don't have it? What what if there's that time where I need it? And it's like, mm, okay, <laughs> we use it to justify the purchase. But a lot of times, I think you're totally right. If I had a a green iPad Air, I'd be thrilled. But look, given what you said, Andrew, about the way that you've waited to upgrade your watch, and also seemingly the way you're going to wait to update your iPad, I think it's perfectly fine to splurge on such a thing if you're going to get that pride or sense of passion out of using it and you're going to enjoy using the product because and this sort of comes to the point that I thought was most impressive or that I enjoyed the most about the presentation it might sound a bit weird but I was really happy to see a segment that was devoted to talking about the environment with Lisa Jackson do you both remember that bit yes absolutely and it really really keep talking about it but it really struck home for me and it reminds me of something I'll tell you after yeah yeah I mean it what I think is really important is you know, we want to upgrade these devices. We want to move to the latest and greatest thing, but it is Apple's responsibility to actually discuss these things, where their resources are coming from, how they're using their energy. And she did make the point, that's Lisa Jackson, that uh, I think she said that Apple's corporate headquarters and retail stores already run on 100% renewable energy, but they're shifting to uh, carbon neutrality by 2030 throughout the supply chain. And that's really interesting to me because... Yes, Apple pushes all of this stuff like recycling programs and trade-ins, but then what's the energy consumption in recycling that? Yes, you're giving over a device, but what you know? How how intensive is the energy consumption in actually transforming this old product into a new one or a new material? So I'm not saying that Apple's perfect, and they, like a lot of companies, have a long way to go. But I felt better watching this presentation, going, "Yep, this is really the only company." of this size with this technological focus that's talking about this in the middle of a massive product showcase. So I was quite happy with that. Uh, yeah, same here. I, I actually really was happy to see the, the charger go away. I think, you know, there's people are going to be how they are about things like that. I, uh, my personal anecdote about it though. Um, so we, every time we buy anything, we save the box that it came in whether we need it or not we just kind of have like a box of boxes you know in the basement of and generally because we we hand stuff down to other people or we sell them or whatever 
And when I give something to somebody, I just, I think it's a nice touch to just say like, you know, yeah, you're getting my old phone, but like it comes in, in the original box with the original stuff, just kind of a nicer experience for whoever's getting it. And so when we moved, I was going through this kind of box of boxes just to see like, do we even have some of this stuff still? Do we need it? And of course there was a bunch of different Apple boxes uh, in there. So I started going through them because I was going to get rid of a bunch of them and just wanted to make sure nothing was left in there. Lo and behold, many of these boxes had not only all the original paperwork stuff, but a lot of the chargers and cables because, you know, as you upgrade, you don't need a new cable every time. Some people seem to thrash their cables. Not sure how that happens. But for me, I was going through, I took note of this. So in there were four Apple Watch chargers, the little puck things. Uh, five of the five watt chargers, which is the one they just said they're not going to put out anymore. So that seems to make sense. And two of the 18 watt chargers. So in boxes in a box, I realize this is not the norm, but I had a ton of chargers that I just don't need. And if, if I don't need them, you know, they're just going to sit in a box somewhere. So I, I, I have to think that this is not as bad as a lot of people are making it out to be. I think less chargers out there, the better. And honestly, the five watt chargers, I mean, they kind of suck anyway. They're just, they're slow. So everybody has bought a charger off of, you know, XYZ store or they have one in their car already, or they have one in the house. So getting rid of the charger, I think it's a really great thing. You know, and I think it's under this, this idea of, of lessening stuff in the environment. Cause you have to think the number of phones and watches that go out the door every day with a charger that's a hell of a lot of chargers that are just not getting used and they're being created. So all the materials in those chargers are now not available for other devices that could be used. So I think that's the other half of it is that there's a lot of stuff in those chargers that is not getting, you know, removed from the pipeline to be used for other products that people will actually use. That That's a really good, that's a really good point. That That's the classic opportunity cost argument there. Um, and I think, uh, and I think the other thing is that all these devices now are really smart about managing power inputs. So it doesn't really matter if you use a big boy charger on something that you know it wasn't the device wasn't necessarily designed for that. I think they can all manage, you know the. So it doesn't. Yeah. Oh yeah. I use the ninety watt charger for everything. Yeah. So it's not like you need to have one of everything, or you know, match match the charge voltage with the um or the wattage with the the device so yeah it's just whichever one you happen to find and have lying around use that so do away the dinky ones it's fine yeah i i keep a 90 watt macbook pro charger at my desk to plug in everything from my phone all the way up to a macbook pro just one charger which is great (laughs) the one thing i think would have been nice for apple to do and this is purely just a goodwill measure would be of to have just reduced the price just a little bit to offset to to psychologically offset the cost of or the price of not getting something because yeah sure for, for them it's probably 10 cent include uh, you know in terms of the cost of production and all that but i think for a customer if you just knock a few bucks off the price and you can point to that and say that's the cost that you're now not paying i think that would make people who don't care about the environmental stuff sort of say, oh, at least I'm saving a few bucks. Yeah. 
Well, talking about the costs there, this is where I'm really interested to see what the company does when it comes to eventual announcements of Apple Silicon Macs. Are we going to see a kind of price reduction given given that they won't be giving that money to Intel for chips, or are they just going to keep those margins up? So I think we're in quite a period of transition at the moment with all of these things. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, the way of the world is Wall Street, so I think we know where that's going to land. Wall Street doesn't care about the environment. Wall Street doesn't care about customers. Wall Street cares about Wall Street. Yep, that quarterly earnings call. You got to be showing your you got you got your margins covered. So if anyone needs an Apple charger, just uh, let me know. <laughs> I'm actually short a Lightning cable or two. If you could fire a couple of those over, that'd be good. Sure, no problem. <laughs> <laughs> so next up on the list, I'm curious to know because I can see both of your faces against it in our notes. Default mail clients. What's the deal here? Yeah, that is confusing to me a little bit. I, you know, we got that in iOS 14 is uh, we have the ability to now have a default mail client that is not Apple Mail and a default browser, which is not Safari. That's fine. I think that's great. Choice is, is good. Um, on the Safari side, I use Safari anyway, so doesn't really bother me there, but I, I see that being valuable. The mail side is the one that I am curious what you guys feel about this. You know, I, I it was a new feature. I was like, oh, cool. I'm going to set a default mail client. And as I started thinking about it, I kind of came to the conclusion that I don't care with a mail client because I don't understand, like, with a browser, people are iMessaging you links, you're on the web, you're getting links all over the place. And when you click a link, expecting it to open in Firefox, but it opens in Safari, I, yeah, that's I could see that being annoying. But for mail, if I'm going to write an email, I'm already in the mail client, so that's covered. If I'm going to reply to an email, again, already in the mail client, don't need to do that. The only scenario that I'm coming up with, and maybe I'm just really glaringly missing something here, is if there's a mail to link somewhere and I just, when was the last time you ever clicked a mail to link anywhere? And nowadays everything's a form on a web page. So that's pretty much taken care of. No one really has, you know, send me an email, mail link. I guess we do on our website. So that's one place that's not now thinking of. But other than that, does a default mail client really matter? It seems like the browser was the big win for everyone. And they just kind of threw mail in because it was like, yeah, here's another one to make it seem like there's choice it almost placates the nerds i think it's it's a little olive branch a gesture because like note-taking apps various different things that we want to try email tends to be the thing that tech enthusiasts are still talking about hence we're talking about it right now so personally i'm happy with the default mail app i don't think it's horrible yes there are things that could be improved the big thing that i turn off is that conversation view i i actually can't understand it i don't maybe i'm stupid but the way that it groups things together, that would be, if I couldn't change that, that might be the thing to make me try something else. But the fact that I can turn it off and have things work in a way that fits my brain logically, I stay with it. I don't know. What about you, Andrew? That is such a good tip because I too feel a bit old with that conversation view. I think I've got to do that. Something changed in email a few years ago where suddenly you got your sent messages threaded in with the ones being sent you know, the inbox sort of threaded in with the sent mailbox. And I live in this slightly permanent state of stress these days whenever I delete something and I have no idea if I'm deleting the entire thread or an individual mail. Um, 
and I, I, I honestly don't quite understand what I, how to manage email anymore in that regard. <laughs> it's, it's, it sounds pathetic, but I, I don't know how. No, no, no. I agree with you because you've tapped on a thing called inbox and you expect to see the messages that came in. But if you're seeing messages that went out, it's trying to simulate a chat, yep. but it's not a chat. It's two separate folders mishmashed together. And I can't negotiate that. Yeah. Yeah, I don't like it either. And and especially when everybody replies and the thread always gets like, you know, quoted back at you in in its entirety each time. So you you can kind of one one the latest email in the thread basically contains everything anyway. Um and at least then it's one distinct entity that you can delete, move, whatever. I never know what I'm doing. Am I, am I moving a thread or am I moving a mail message? I don't know. So that's my old man whinge of the day. Um, default mail, mail clients. Well, yeah, I thought it would be something I'd get into as well, but cause I don't like, I don't like mail on iOS from version 13 onwards. Um, iOS 13 before that it was fine. They did all those changes in 13 and they, they hit, you know, they hit all the buttons behind that reply. <laughs> the magical reply. Yep. Slash, you know, forward arrow or whatever it was. You don't click reply to print? That seems pretty normal. (laughs) (laughs) It could have even just been one of those little share sheet uh, arrows, but it wasn't. Anyway, so I don't... That put me right off mail. Um, I generally bounce between either just the... um, On iOS, I just have tended towards using just the fast mail app for my purposes... Um, I use the Outlook mail for work because I have to, um, and it's, it's it's actually better. So, but again, I'm, I'm split personality. So, a default email client, I don't want it to be either of those one things because I've got sort of two lives living in it. So, I don't think it's actually going. I don't think I'm ever going to play with that one. If you if you could if either of you could pick a category that you would want the most. I don't even think, I mean, for me, browsers, Safari, so that isn't, doesn't really matter. But if you could pick a different like category, music or to-do lists or whatever, what would be one that would actually be useful to you day to day? Or would none of them, because again, with the like multiple kind of personalities on a device, it doesn't really make sense to have a, a default anything. Um, I would say, I don't even know if it's relevant. The only thing I can think of is like default notes app, but I don't think there's such a thing anyway. The way it ties into iCloud at least maybe avoids the need for that. I I see what you mean though. If if you couldn't tie in something like IA Writer to iCloud, that would make it painful, at least for me. I would like the pencil feature, like where you tap the iPad when the screen is off with the pencil and it immediately opens a new note. I would like that to be able to be changed. I think that's the one thing because I'm not currently using Apple Notes for my actual notes. So every once in a while, I'll tap the screen and that'll come up and I will remember what an amazing feature that is that I that I can't really make use of. That's a good one. What about default calendar apps? Have they changed that? No, it's still just the two. Okay. I think I click calendar links probably more than I do, absolutely more than I do email links though, for sure. So that would actually be a nice one. But I guess that one, hmm, that one's kind of weird though, because most calendar apps kind of just piggyback off of regular calendar anyway. 
So they're kind of just giving you like a viewport into that. I think Fantastical now, because you can actually put your accounts in there, it's a little different. But for the most part, I think they all just kind of add a layer on top of regular calendar. So even that one wouldn't matter entirely. How many people do you reckon are out there who would love to set Google Maps as their default? Oh, probably most people. I, I, I think most people still use Google Maps from what I can tell anyway. It seems like much of the internet is still doing Google Maps over Apple Maps. Um, I don't know. How is it for you? I think it's very location dependent too, though. It seems like, of course, when I was in, you know, living down the street from the, the donut, you know, it works great there. Um, and I've it works great here too for me anyway. But I don't know about other countries. I'm sure Apple Maps is is maybe doesn't have as many features as Google Maps. It doesn't. I I actually use Apple Maps probably more often than Google these days. But I I'm doing it knowing it's not as good. Um, it doesn't ha- certainly doesn't have the density of business location information. Probably the one thing that I like Apple Maps for is that Google Maps has actually become bloated. It's starting to get too confusing because it's it's not really a just a mapping app anymore. It's a rate and review the place you just went to and tell us if the donut's really good. You know, it, it's tracking your moves as you as you go around. You know, did you take photos at, at the at the burger joint? Put them on on the on the Google site and leave a review. And it just I don't like that. Um, so. Are you trying to tell me that you feel like Google is creepy? Yeah, it's just a little. Yeah. Um, so I just feel I just feel that Apple, you know, it's 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 route it's routing routing is uh, good enough. Gets me where I need to be. Doesn't have all the bells and whistles, but if I am going somewhere slightly out of the ordinary, I will do a double check on Google because it it, it does know its directions better. Yeah, I, I'm a real Apple Maps fan. I accept that Google Maps is better generally in terms of how much data it has because like you said jason the creep factor is there but i remember the first time that i ever started using apple maps for sat nav and then i compared it to google i mean uis change things get improved but i found that apple maps had a much nicer turn-by-turn navigation experience i felt like you had a better sense of warning about when to turn and it seemed to line up better with when you were actually supposed to go in a different direction google was a bit the timing was off so as far as i was concerned with apple's at least first out of the gate vector mapping and the general niceness of the whole thing i've used apple since that's just been my thing it kind of leads into another topic of the ecosystems that you had brought up martin about things that are tempting from or I guess products or services that are tempting from other ecosystems that we're not maybe fully in or not in at all. Yeah, I'm glad you segued to that. And look, I mean, I'd be happy to kick it off, but given that we've been talking about Google, I think Andrew had something noted down about Android. Is is that right? Did you want to kick us off? Well, yeah. Um, I've never owned an Android device, um, and I have friends who have them, and they will use them, and I look at them and think, I have no idea what you're doing there. And... There's things about the Android I don't like, like the scrolling always puts me off. It just seems to be janky. Um, but at the same time, I look at it and go, that looks intriguing. Just be, And I'm curious to know how it works in detail. And it's just the nerd in me wants to know, like, how do these things actually hang together? And I've never really bothered to buy one because why would I? Um, yeah, happy with iPhones. Um so that's 
one area. And then the other area of sort of going on, still sort of, I guess, somewhat Android-related, is I'm slightly interested in a Chromebook. Um, after just saying how creepy Google is, I'm just curious to know what life is like having a laptop that is purely a web browser. You know, and I just wonder how useful is such a thing and are they could I find a particular purpose for that? Um so that's probably the thing the two things that I find somewhat tempting, but obviously not tempting enough for me to throw my money at them. I don't mean to be a smart ass with the Chromebook, but are you looking to be punished or or how? <laughs> <laughs> are they that bad, really? <laughs> I've done both. I've used both. Uh I think the Chromebook personally is a product searching for a, a problem or a solution looking for a problem rather they it's a cheap computer and that is the number one reason that it's made i think uh, you know I, i'm sure people will will say otherwise it's a, again i think it's a it's a tool where if you literally only need to look at gmail in the web and maybe do browsing and like google docs if you're a google person it's great as soon as you want to do anything else i just mm, i don't know and again i just i don't i don't trust anything they do personally so I, I i cannot put my whole life invested in them a lot of people do and that's and that's okay as long as they understand that but i, I think the, the chromebook it's a it's a cheap way to get a browser when and i think in some instances that's a really good thing if if that is your means to get to the web then that's your means to get to the web well i, I don't use gmail i don't use chrome um i'm using primarily apple maps um i don't use google calendar i don't think this thing's for me <laughs> you're just driven to flirt with the devil is that right you just want to you just want to see what it's like yeah i think so it's it's like the grass is always greener right where it's kind of it you have what you have is you you don't know how great the thing is you have until you try to go look at something else and that's exactly what happened with me with android it was a while ago now but it was after the 3gs so a while ago um, I switched to Android after the 3GS, and then when the 4 came out, I went back to the iPhone, and then it's, yeah, I, it was iPhone up to 3GS, then Android, then back to, on the iPhone 4, and I just stayed on that train ever since. But I, Android, it seems like it's it's fine. Uh, I, I It's really, it's the Google thing. I don't want anything to do with Google. It's the same thing, you know, if it's like Oculus now where they're owned by Facebook. Unfortunately, it's the best damn headset there is. And I don't want to use it anymore because it's 100% Facebook and I, I don't want anything to do with them. And so I have to get rid of it. I can't be hypocritical and, and say, oh, well, it's not really Facebook. It's it's no, it's Facebook. You know, it's it's the same with everything else they own. Well, it's Instagram. It's not. Fa no, it's Facebook. So you either go all in on Facebook or you completely cut it off. There's no in-between. They don't, they don't have an in-between. They don't look at it internally as a company and say, oh, well, we can't put our horrible policy on that. That's Oculus. No, it's Facebook above all. And the same goes for Google. So I was going to say, are you tempted by anything else? Any other brands or types of product in general? I don't think I'll actually ever buy it. But the one thing that, I, that has come out recently that I'm really think is a really cool device is the microsoft surface duo which i guess is a phone sort of it's like a wallet phone isn't it folds in half 
yeah, it's like a phone tablet thingy. It's a folding phone, I guess you can call it that. Um, not in the, I guess now tradi- traditional sense of like a um, the uh, Samsung. Uh, wow, help me out here. Z Fold Flip Q, whatever it's called, um, or the the Razer. Is that the one that broke before they even released? That it? was the yeah, that was the first one, and then they put out a, a re-released one, and now I think there's a second one. They're they're cranking them out left and right. But that's the one where, like, the screen is, like, plastic and actually folds in half, which I see no value in either. But um, the Duo is its really just two separate screens. So really, on the surface, it doesn't really seem huh, – on the surface, doesn't really seem like that big of a deal. But it just – it's an intriguing device. They're very It's a very thin device, and I could see it being kind of useful. And it's also weird because all the Microsoft phones are Android now. So maybe, Andrew, you could get a Surface Duo. And that that's helps me out, and you get to use Android. Well, I'm just looking. I'm just looking. I quickly googled it, and one of the first articles that came up. I didn't Google it. Sorry, I should Oof. say that. I I I'm trying a new search browser. I ecosied. I don't even know what you're talking about. <laughs> Wait, whoa, whoa, hold on. Doesn't you, you did what? Is that legal? <laughs> Can you do that in Australia? It doesn't roll off the tongue. But before I get sidetracked. Apparently, the Microsoft Surface Duo isn't coming to Australia yet. Oh. So, link in the show notes. Yeah. Ecosia, sorry. Ecosia? It's a search browser that, as you search, apparently they plant trees on your behalf. I have never heard of this. I have a feeling it might be a um, a Bing-driven... Oh, yeah, Bing. Um, Remember that thing? Um, yeah, I've just tried, I've always, I've sort of been a DuckDuckGo user for a long time, but I saw this and I thought, oh, I'll just give it a try. So how did they calculate that? How many web pages equals a tree? Let me see. I've got 46 trees at the moment. Oh, that's a lot of search history. Um, hang on. No, that's the number of searches. So I've only been using it for a short time. 46 searches and I need 45 searches to plant a tree. I just planted wow. a tree, everybody. Congratulations. Searching for the Microsoft Surface Duo planted me a tree. Wow. Well done. And do they specify the kind of tree that's being planted? <laughs> uh, no. Palm oil or something. <laughs> we'll, we'll send someone out to get a picture of your tree at some point, and we'll put that in the notes as well. Oh, I, I could just picture it now in my little tree out there. Suddenly, you know, it's just a little, just a, one leaf. I can see it. I need a webcam on my tree. Well, given our discussion about the environment, good on you for actually doing something, Andrew. <laughs> It depends on the search results it gives you. If it, if it starts going pear-shaped, maybe it plants pear trees. What random thing are you buying, Martin, that's not something you actually need? Well, mine are sort of uh, weird and boring, but they come down to the idea of, I suppose, focus in technology. So something that I've never owned and has been around for years is an, an, and is incredibly boring is just the Kindle. And I've always been fascinated because I have... Apple Books, right, on my iPad, and I have lots of printed books on my bookshelf, but I've never been part of that Amazon ecosystem. And like you, Jason, with the Google stuff, I've always thought, oh, I don't really want to go all in on Amazon because, well, that just doesn't seem like my thing, and I've already got all this other stuff. But whenever I see someone with a Kindle or a Kobo or whatever the other K products are, and the fact that they just have this one focused device with all of their books on it, which is away from notifications and glossy displays, I always think, oh, is it worth it? But I've never pulled the trigger. I don't know. What do you two think? 
I have one sitting on the shelf that I haven't touched in a year. So yeah, that says it then. Yeah, it's it's a really they're really cool. I really like them. I just never remember that I have it or that it's a thing. Yeah, it's the e-ink. The product itself is you know whatever. It's fine as, as Kindle as a product is okay. It's just the fact that it's the e-ink. That's that's the feature that matters on a Kindle, and it's great. But, you know, it's another thing you got to carry around. It's another thing you got to charge when you have something that already has a screen. And, you know, I don't I don't personally read for, you know, four hours straight. So like eye strain on a on a tablet is not really a big deal for me when I'm on a computer all day anyway. But it is it's a nice thing to have. Um, I think if you were super into reading and just like that was what you did, I think it makes a lot of sense to get one. Yeah. I don't know. Do you have one, Andrew? I'm holding it in my hand as we speak. Are you a fan? I am. This would be about my third Kindle, I think I have now. Um, it's just the paper white, mm. you know, that was released last year or whatever. Um, so I've, I've been, I remember by, I bought, it wasn't the first one that had that giant keyboard and it was kind of looked like a Soviet era <laughs> contraption with the angles. What was that called? Kindle Vostok or something? Or Kindle Sputnik? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It totally did. Yeah. It had like the big slider thing or something down one side. Mm -hmm. It sort of looked like a Fisher-Price kind of toy. Um, I thought that looked amazing. I wanted it so badly, but I think the the price and availability in Australia ruled that out. (laughs) I bought the second one, though, that that came out. And then, and I've, I use it quite often. And I think for reading fiction... That's where it really is perfect. Um, if you just want to get a book, be on a holiday or be, you know, sitting around in bed or whatever, just reading a book for recreation, um, highly recommend it. The price is obviously pretty cheap to buy books, so that's good. The hardest thing is like getting getting beyond the druck and trying to find, you know, what is a good book and that's where publishers and, you know, bookstores and all that still have their place because you don't have the extended long tail of the Amazon self-publishing world. Um, so I still you know, try and get A-list books, if you'd want to call them that. But I, I enjoy reading from it. I, if you're reading it for research purposes, though, Martin, I wouldn't, wouldn't recommend it. Just too, too clunky. Yeah, I've, I tried to use it for school books in the past, and it, it's too slow. To, to like if you need to go from page four back to the index back to you know the some glossary in the back of the book it's just not feasible i think like you said andrew it's really like if you're gonna read a fiction book just back or front to back that's the best place for this yeah and and i like reading it on i don't like reading extended time on the ipad i just find it it's it wears my eyes out too much but a kindle Oh, you can go for ages. And the paper white, this is my, actually my first paper white one. I had the, the older one before this that didn't have that. And it's excellent. The backlighting's not brilliant. You know, you can sort of see where the lights are a little bit, but it's fine. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm pro Kindle. Okay, that's a good summary. I feel that's pretty balanced. I, I don't know if I'll get one, but, yeah, it, it's always just sat in the back of my mind whenever I say, that looks light and that's easy to carry. But just to quickly mention the other thing that I had in my brain, I don't know if either of you are familiar with this product. Um, I'm all in 
on Apple Watch, obviously, but this is a watch that I saw years ago prior to the Apple Watch. Have either of you ever heard of the Clock 2? I don't think so. Don't think so. Yeah, it's spelt Q-L-O-C-K-T-W-O. It's the Clock 2W, and it's this German-made watch, which is simply a grid of letters, and it illuminates the time in words from those letters. And you can choose the language... Oh, that's cool. Yeah, it's awesome. And it's really expensive. (gasps) They have a big wall one. Yes, and they have one that looks like it's rusty and it's just really awesome design, but I've never been able to justify it for the price. And the fact now that the Apple Watch exists, you go, do I need this? But I remember seeing it years ago and going, this is outside of my watch ecosystem and budget. (laughs) (laughs) It's pretty cool. That looks incredible. We need this. This looks good. Oh, yeah, if you had an architecture studio or something and you just had that on the wall. Yeah, huge talking be... point. I can't find a Man, price. that looks fancy. Oh, it's only $13,000? Is that the wall one? Oh, you might as well get two. Yeah, I'm looking at the wall one because I don't need a watch, but the wall one is pretty cool. Yeah, well, the watch you can you can even get in. I think you can get in English, German, French, and now even Arabic. So it's pretty fascinating. Good find. This is this would be such a cool piece to have. Yeah, yeah. So I bring that up with a sense of bit of sweetness or melancholy. Like maybe I won't get that, but cool to mention. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know if I needed eight thousand dollars worth, but it sure does look cool. Well, if you could send Apple Pay cash to someone in Europe to get it for you and wait for that little man to do the euro conversion, then maybe they can send it back to you. Ah, good point. <laughs> That does remind me, that it reminds me of something that I would love to have. And they don't, do you, re, are you guys old enough to remember back in when airports used to have those ticker boards where the letters would flip over to show? Oh yeah. Like, and like train stations too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it would make that big clunking noise. And there's that, I, I remember reading an article about these things. There's a certain name that they have. I can't remember it off the top of my head, but yeah, this is a, I would, I just love those things. And the saddest thing about the digital era is seeing them go away. And I'm sure there's probably a digital version out there that sort of flips over in the same way. If you could combine that with a watch, that'd be pretty cool. Well, my digital version was in the old Mac OS X dashboard widget section. And I don't know if either of you two were Lost fans, like the TV show with the 108 minute ticker. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and every 108 minutes my computer would make a screeching sound and I had to put in the numbers 4, 8, 15, 16, 23, and 42. That was the closest I got to having something like that at home. Push the button, brother! (laughs) Yeah, that's Desmond, isn't it? Brilliant. (laughs) Love that show, except for the ending. Oh, really? Uh, That's another podcast. I liked it. But anyway, I suppose we should keep things moving. Jason, did you want to... Now, what's all this with domain and file sharing? Oh, that was Andrew. So I had shared something with you guys at some point, um, or shared something. I don't remember. I sent some link to someone. Uh, was it you, Andrew, that I sent? I sent you like a file or something. Yeah, you, uh, yeah, yeah, it was because I was I was really impressed because you sent me a link to a file and the kind of thing that you would normally get from somebody that would be a Dropbox download or something like that. And it was a link from your website. So you had a, I think it was get.berk.io or something along those lines. I can't remember what the the prefix was. Um, But yeah, and I thought, wow, that's really cool. And I was just curious as to, 
how you were doing that. Are you was it? Are you literally just uploading it to a file storage, you know, to your web server space, or and how are you getting that to all hang together? And is it something that is you have systematized, or is it kind of a you know stuck together with chewing gum and? Uh, it's a little bit stuck together, but it, it's pretty straightforward, actually. Um, it is, yeah, it's git.burk.io. And I just, I got tired of sending, um, well, I don't really use Dropbox anymore. So that didn't, that wasn't an option. Usually you would just throw something in there and send somebody a link, but I didn't, I wasn't using Dropbox. Um, iCloud sharing, I don't think that was even a thing yet. And then there's just so many different random websites where you can upload stuff and send people links. But it was like, I don't, what am I, where am I putting these files? It seems kind of weird. I'd rather just kind of know where I'm putting stuff and control it myself. Um, hmm. So it's all really built on top of uh, an app called DropShare, which is, it's just a, it's a Mac app. It's an iOS app. I really mainly use it on the Mac, but you can use it on iOS as well. Um, and they have like cloud accounts now, or you can just share it directly using their stuff. Um, and it, oh, it's on setup also. It's on setup. So if you yeah, have, have setup, um, then you already have it, which is great. Which that setup is really, I was really skeptical at first, not so much in the idea of it, but I just didn't think it was really going to work. But given the number of apps that keep showing up on there from pretty prominent developers and a lot of indie developers too, I'm, I have to assume it's working to some degree for them. Otherwise they wouldn't be on there. But anyway, setup. I feel like it's a really great service. I, I hope it's not terrible for the people that are on it. I haven't heard that it has been, so ignorance is bliss, I guess. But anyway, uh, yeah, DropShare. And then the nice thing about DropShare is it allows you to use kind of any backend that you want. So you can use like Amazon S3, which again, I don't use because it's Amazon. I'm trying to get away from that a little bit. But I use something called Wasabi, which is like an S3 compliant alternative um it's ch cheaper than Beerbones used that for their ujimbo sync a few years ago oh okay yeah yeah it's fantastic it's super fast it's cheaper than s3 and it's not amazon which if that's important is a good thing um but anyway i just use that as a back end and then it makes it super simple i drag a file up to my menu bar it uploads it to that automatically copies a link to my clipboard and then I can send it. And you can also create really cool, like, like I haven't done this yet, but you can make a, a custom landing page. So that thing that I sent you, I can make it look like whatever I want and have you have the file kind of nicely presented. So if you were using it for like a business type of situation, you could have a nice landing page. Um, and then you can use custom domains. So I just set one up for get dot my domain so now everything I send is get.burk.io slash and then the file name. So it's it's just like it's a nice way to know where you're sharing things and just know that they're there and then also be able to just get rid of the file entirely if you need yeah. to. Yeah. So it has an audit trial. You can kind of see who's, who's accessed it, downloaded the file, that kind of thing. No, no, there's no like logging of, uh, you know, Andrew downloaded this file 14 times. It's nothing like that. Okay. If you needed something like okay. that, you'd you'd more want to go with the uh, um, you know, one of the many file services out there. This is really I think more for for a personal use type of thing or just like a small business too. Right. But it's just it's nice to be able to send somebody a link that's not, you know, oh, now you need to go get an account because I sent you a 
you know, a Google Drive link and you don't have Google Drive or whatever. It's just, it's very simple, back to basics, normal download off the internet. No, they don't need anything special. Mm. I was really impressed by it. And maybe that's a sad reflection on me. I don't know. Um, but I thought it was cool. So I was just interested to know how you'd done that. So thank you. I think I have a blog post on it somewhere. So I, I can link that too. Oh, that'd be good. And then I can, then I'll have a project over the next week. Yeah. You can do that and YouTube DL and you'll be set. <laughs> That's, it's still on the list. What have you got for us next, Martin? You've been, you've been, sort of been a bit quiet over the last little while and you're, I'm looking at the list here. Oh, well, I mean, I, I don't know if you want to, uh, because I know Jason had the thing about test flight and you had the screenshot here. So I, I have more to contribute. Don't worry. Well, look, I mean, I, I don't know. If, did you want to say anything about those two things first? Because I was quite fascinated by the addition of the new segment. Oh, the thing I found in my house. Yeah. Yes. What did you find in your house? You've added something in the notes there. So one of the great joys of moving is you get to rediscover everything that you own for for better or worse. And this is, I think, for better, but I'm finding a lot of old stuff. You know, it, it's making me realize that I'm a collector. I like to collect things. I think a lot of us do. But I thought this one was particularly interesting. Maybe not super interesting to everybody that listens to the show, but what, something I found uh, in my house, or in a box, rather, that uh, I find to be pretty cool is a Game Boy Micro Famicom 20th Anniversary Edition. That's wow. a mouthful. What's all that about? Probably nobody knows what that is. I think everybody can probably know what a Game Boy is. That seems like a pretty easy one. And I remember something about the Super Famicom or something like that that was kind of legendary or something, was it? Yep, yep. So, like, in Japan it was called that. Here it became the NES or the Nintendo Entertainment System. So this was a Game Boy, Game Boy Micro, so small, uh, released in 2005, both in Australia and the U.S., so you guys had it too. But it's just this tiny, tiny Game Boy that is horribly uncomfortable to use, probably would cripple you as soon as you start trying to use it, but it's just adorable. It's the smallest little pocketable Game Boy. Oh, it has a uh, a charging port that is super proprietary. I can't even find it. Can't find one online at this point that, that is reasonable. So I still need to find that so I can charge it up. But I just thought it was this... Game Boy Micro USB, huh? Yeah, exactly. I need to find that. Um, but it was just this super cool little thing that I found when I was looking through stuff. And it kind of made me think... Like, Every once in a while, I think I go through this phase of like, why am I collecting old crap? You know, like, why do I have 15 different iPhones on a shelf next to my desk? Like, that's so stupid. But I don't know. I just think it's kind of cool to keep stuff from the past every once in a while and kind of look back at it from a technology standpoint and A, see how far we've come. But also, I think more intriguing to me is just some of the ideas people had in the past for what was a good idea versus a bad idea. And this is one of those ones where it was like, they could do it. So they did it. And I'm just not sure there was really a reason to do it. Um, it's just so small. There's like shoulder buttons. There's a volume rocker screen brightness. It has a little speaker. It has a headphone jack in it, which when you look at it is huge compared to the actual size of the thing. Um, it's got, yeah, it's got LNR triggers on it. The resolution is 240 by 160. 
So <laughs> super high resolution. The screen... Are we talking something about the size of this Playdate device that's coming out? Or is it bigger or... Uh, it's similar to that. That's kind of more of a square. This was maybe be like if you took two of these and stuck them next to each other, it would probably be about the, I haven't seen a play date in person, but I've kind of seen like the little AR thing. I think it's about that size. So probably about two of these stuck together would be the size of the play date. The screen size is like, is 51 millimeters, like two inches. I've been a cozying, a cozying for an image of the, uh, this thing i think i may have found it amongst all the different oh, there's a tree oh, oh there's a tree. trees yep. my old technology is building <laughs> trees i love it <laughs> i think i found the right one um i'll put this in the links but it's um so it almost looks like a miniature it's a horizontal sort of this thing's silver the picture on this is silver does that sound yeah the the original one was just was all silver right this one, it looks, this yeah. one is a special one. It's it's this gorgeous gold and uh, like dark red. It just it just looks good. If you're a fan of Nintendo or Game Boys or anything nostalgia in general, you would like this. My first ever one. I just wanted to add in there was the Game Boy Color with the ice design, which was undoubtedly a ripoff of the whole iMac translucent plastic thing. But I. I loved it, yeah. And I'd sit there with the little IR blaster with some of my old friends playing Pokemon. You couldn't really move away from each other, but my goodness, was that cool at the time. I know, wasn't that amazing, the IR thing? Like, that just seemed... That was, like, space-age really cool. technology. That was so mind-blowing back when that was a thing. Like, doing this wirelessly. But the fact that it was yeah. instant. Yeah, It was instant. There was no waiting yep. or anything. No more sync cable connected up. None of that. <laughs> And this Game Boy Mini, did it take the Game Boy cartridges or was it its own thing? Uh, it uses the Game Boy Advance cartridges, which is also funny because the cartridge itself is like two-thirds the size of the actual unit. Oh, yeah, and the, the slot into the bottom. I just found another image here. Yep, yep. It's it's totally a weird, just some some engineer was like, hey, I could do this. And they're like, all right, go for it. So what games did you have for this? So the one I have in here right now is Super Mario 3, and that's the only one I can actually find. I think it might be the only one I kept uh, for for this particular system. And do you remember playing it much, or was this like a short-lived? No, this one was strictly just bought because it was kind of a novelty. I, I You really don't want to play anything on this for any more than, you know, five minutes. It's just so uncomfortable to use. But it's so small, it fits in your pocket. So it's like, it was just such a nice thing to be able to have a full Game Boy with you at all times before there were phones or anything like that. If you wanted to play a game, you're either dragging around a you know a full-size thing or this in your back pocket. So it's a, it's a weird thing that they'd made. And I just, I just love it because it's just so out there. You don't get that anymore, do you? The weird one-off devices. Everything is a platform now, and everything has so much riding on it that, apart from maybe that's maybe that's why the the panic um, game. What are we calling that? The, play the date. thing with the crank playdate. Play I think that's probably yeah. why that's so fascinating because it's the only sort of thing that is being randomly made on a whim yeah well it has to come from a you know a company that has that kind of of 
risk taking and, and vision to do something like that. You're not going to get that from many of these companies now. Um, they just can't. Yeah. There's no. It's just too hard. It's too driven by again the bottom line like we were talking about before to be able to take a risk on something that might or may, might not work. Now this will derail things a little bit from technology if that's okay. But after seeing your note there about this new segment, finding an old thing in your house, Jason, I did actually stumble upon something which may challenge your device for pure obscurity. Would you like to know what it is? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, I want to know about everything old in your house. Beautiful. Well, this is the first old thing and I didn't go purposely looking for this. I actually stumbled upon it when looking for old Sydney Olympic tickets for a recent episode of the rumination that I do and Natasha was on it. And I found this and it's the Centenary of Federation Medallion for Primary School Students from 2001. Do you have any idea what I just said? I, I don't, but I'm going to guess. It sounds like <laughs> a participation medal that you got at a school sporting event during some kind of special holiday. You know what's great about what you just said? Uh, you actually assumed even more effort than what was required to get this medal. <laughs> so <laughs> so you're correct that, it, that it's a medal. It was given out to everyone, but it wasn't for a sporting event. Federation in the context of Australia was when all of the Australian colonies came together to federate as one nation in 1901. So in 2001... A hundred years afterwards, after all the brouhaha of the Sydney Olympics, every kid in primary school was hyped up and given this medallion, which I'm holding right in my hand right now, and it's hilarious. It's this circular gold-coloured medallion with a bunch of kids piecing together the Australian map, and on it is printed, Australia, it's what we make it. And it's in this plastic collector's thing. I'll have to send a picture so we can link it, but it's even got a little blurb on the back to inspire all young Australians. What do you make of that? Oh, so you, you really did nothing for this. No, no, we, we were purely citizens. We turned up to school and we got a medal. And just so you know, it was designed by John Skillington and produced by the Royal Australian Mint. So they put all the effort in, we did nothing. So that's what I bring to the table today for this segment. I, do you know that that brings back a memory? Now, I, I was a bit too old to still be in school when they were giving those out. But sure, I still was given a coin when I was a young boy. And it was for the, I still remember, I remember the folder it came in. It was for the Bicentennial of Australia. Oh. So, yes, in 1988, that was 200 years post what, what we were educated as the founding and discovery of Australia in 1788, when basically white people arrived. Um, so, and in 1988, we were given a coin to commemorate the bicentennial because it was a really big deal wow you guys are really really into time-based coins yeah it was <laughs> it was a lovely coin in a display folder and i kept my i think i could probably still find mine um i know i know my wife has one too um we're both at school but yes we i think basically it was the um <laughs> We're probably the conservative governments trying to maintain the status quo. <laughs> oh, for sure. What are these coins made of? Are they like like a stainless steel or are they kind of an unknown material cased in plastic? Mine was uh, encased in plastic. 
it was I th- it was a shiny silver, which I I don't know. I don't know my metals very well. What would that be? Would it make it nickel plated or something? I don't know. It wouldn't be. It wouldn't have been expensive because they had to produce a few million of them <laughs> for every child in school. Um, so it looked fancy, but I don't think the um the the street value of the coin was very high. See, I knew bringing this up, Andrew, that you would have to have something similar to this. I didn't know what it would be, but Australians just like to hand out stuff like this. Good on you. Like whether it's rosemary on Anzac Day, so you can whiff herbs off your school uniform shirt, you're going to have something. I probably just confused all the Americans again. Here it is. I found a picture of it. <laughs> oh, I've did? got a price on it. I can give you a price. It's on uh, on gumtree.com.au, which is a... um like a classified site here in Australia, you can buy a bicentennial memento coin ranging from $15 up to maybe $25. Oh, here's one, $5. That must be trashed. 15 bucks. I got to say, that's about $15 more than I would have expected. <laughs> but, it's, but it's a real thing, Jason. Seriously, if you go to any Australia Post post office, typically at least to the ones that I've been to, to the right of the entrance, before you go up to the counter, there will be display cabinets full of commemorative coins. If you want something with the Queen's face on it that's different from usual, you can find it at the post office. I think Australia has way too much metal. You guys need to find something better to do with that metal. This coin thing is really not... <laughs> the gauntlet's been thrown down. You, you, you started this segment and you've just been outdone by coins. <laughs> I know. How sad is that? That's it. I'm stepping it up. I'm. My challenge is you have to find the oldest thing in your house that's original. Oh, wow. Oh, okay. Like not part of the house, just like a thing you have. Could be given to you, could have been something you bought, doesn't matter. And it cannot be either of these coins. Are we done? I think so. I don't know. <laughs> I think so. I feel like I, like I took us in a weird direction. Thanks for that. I don't feel like there's anything better than the coin at this point. Like that just kind of. Yeah.